This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Good evening. Tonight, I want to do my best possible to see if I can wake you up. Is that okay? Let's see if we can wake you up. And basically, it's to wake you up from your inside, to wake your spirit, so you can tell your spirit, come alive. Come alive, come alive, come alive. You know, you can say, the Bible, the scripture says, I wake my soul. I wake my soul. You can actually tell yourself, you know, inside, say, awake, awake, wake up. Wake up. You know, Jesus said, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. But at times, <laughs> it's the spirit that is weak, although the flesh is willing. At times. Because you, it's dull from the inside. It's difficult. You, try, you pull yourself, right? Your body is pulling you, but your spirit is going, uh, why do I have to worship? Not now. We're going to let every other thing go and just wake up. The scripture says, rejoice evermore. What does that even mean? What does it mean to rejoice evermore? Right? What does it say? What does it mean? I'm waiting. It's not. Uh, so let's just assume I have no idea what it means. What does it mean to rejoice evermore? Be joyful always. Rejoice till Jesus comes. That sounds like it. But you have a you have a um, um, a use by date for that rejoicing. What does it mean? Rejoice evermore. Never stop rejoicing. Mm. Never ending. Okay. How about tell your soul right now? Say, so don't stop rejoicing. Oh, come on! Say it! Say it! Say it! It's not for kids. Don't, for, don't stop rejoicing. Philippians chapter 4. Say, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And rejoice sounds like, you know... If you split that word into two, you find that it's asking you to joy again. Rejoice. In other words, that joy that you had before, make it happen again. Keep it on fire. Don't let the fire go out. The wind of your circumstances, the wind of the world might blow against it, but don't let it go out. Your responsibility is to keep the fire on. Keep it aglow. Keep it aglow. There's a difference between aglow and ablaze. True? There are some times in our lives the joy inside of you is ablaze. But there are sometimes it's almost out. And all you need to do is just to keep it aglow. So a blaze is a big fire. A glow is just a candlelight. And all God needs from you is just keep it aglow. Because when it's glowing, just that little ember 
of fire can set the whole bush on fire. It's true. And everything don't need to be going well for you to get it going. It's true. Because, okay, now let's think about it. If we take some time to write out, you know, all the things that has ever happened in our lives that is not good. Oh, few books. And if you take some time to write out what you wish could have happened before now, we'll feel even much more books. But regardless of how many books you write about the things that aren't working well, it will not be compared to the things that have worked out well in your life. It is true. Because when things are working well, you don't even take notice. And that is why I'm saying, ha, rejoice. It's true. Like right now, you can see me, right? You can see me. Oh, God forbid that one of your left eyes starts to just drip water over and over again. You start to go really angry and go, what is going on with my eye? And then all of a sudden you can't see with that eye. Oh, God. And then probably after a week, it feels like forever. And if they, if they ask you to write something about what's been going on with your life, your eye will be the first thing. How that you couldn't see with it two days ago and now it feels like it's forever. But you never really considered when that eye was working normally. When you want it to open and it opens and you close it when you want to close it. And at times, things works out well in our lives. We take it for granted. How about being grateful for the normal life that we are living? Because when you identify for a moment, introspectively identify the normal life that you live, you find a reason to be grateful. So we can decide to be Pessimists or optimists, right? We can decide to count all the losses or count the blessings. We can decide. And that is not to say things couldn't get better. Oh, of course we all wish that things get better than they are right now, right? But how about being grateful for where you are right now? How about being grateful? How about being grateful for friends? How about being grateful for brothers and sisters? How about being grateful that you are on your own? How about being grateful that God looks down lovingly on you? How about being grateful that you can lift your hands and worship without fear that someone is going to attack you in five minutes and possibly blow up this house because you are in here? How about being grateful for the freedom to worship God? How about being grateful... Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Because to him whom much is given, much is expected. But when you are given and you make use of it and you become a good steward of, God, of what God has given you, he adds even more. He adds even more. So our gratitude tells us, or rather shows God how grateful we are, how satisfied we are with what he's given us and how much more we can do with it. You know, we can look at our church and go, well, uh, you know, our hall is not full right now. But we are grateful for the few. 
We're grateful. It doesn't take a full haul to change a nation. It takes one. And if we can find one in this house, and that one might just be you, this nation will be changed over and over and over again because you can build, you just, this one you can give birth to more ones who becomes world changers. You want to be a world changer. You don't want anything to hold you back down. Don't let your situation determine how you feel or don't let your situation determine how God speaks to you of the joy, the level of joy in your heart. Now, joy and happiness, they are two different things. I'm not talking about be happy always. I'm talking about rejoice always. Joy gives birth to happiness. Happiness does not result to joy. Are, Are you still here? Happiness means, well, you think everything is going well because you saw a a physical change or something that has changed the way you perceive things. And that's basically based on senses. You know, happiness is coming from a sense realm, whereas joy comes from a spirit realm. Joy is something that sits right in your spirit. That when things are going wrong, you still go, you know what, I'm glad. I'm glad there's something inside of me that can't let go. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. He said, not like the world gives. In other words, that peace is not dependent on your circumstance. Oh, well, I, th- I think that's what it says. So my peace I give to you, not like the world gives, which fades away. My peace I give to you. So in other words, even if it's just one dollar you've got, you will still have peace. Are you still here? It's true. It's true. You might be living in a house that, that, you know, it feels like, well, you've come from, you know, a five-bedroom house to one room. But there's still peace that passes all understanding. Why why does it say it passes all understanding? In other words, it doesn't make sense. True? It says it passes all understanding. It beats every human imagination. In other words, it doesn't make the... Human sense, you're thinking, so why are you happy? So what's wrong with you? Why are you rejoicing? Why are you still glowing and beaming? Why are you still believing God? Why do you still have this much faith? What still makes you go to church when everything is against you? Why? 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 And even you can't explain it. But you just find that on church day, you just can't help it. You can't wait to just get there. How many of you still feel that way? I, I do. On a Wednesday, I just know, in the morning, I already know that wherever I am, uh, oh, sorry, not on Wednesday, on Friday, I already know wherever I'm at, I'll end up at church in the evening. And I'm always looking forward to it. Rejoice. Rejoice. Don't lose that joy. You see, it's my responsibility to keep it aglow. You see, the enemy can snuff it out. And it will take you a long time to find a match to light it up. It's true. Who will pray over you and pray and pray and pray. It would not ignite. Why? Because you are too damp in your spirit for you to ignite. But don't, let, don't ever let yourself get there. Keep the spirit aglow. Keep the spirit aglow. And one of the ways to do that is to do some things that surprises you. To do some things that completely make you look stupid. But something that gives glory to God. And at times, you've never lifted up your hand in service before. It's the time to do it. And go, you know what? This is freedom. This is great. For a minute, let yourself go. 
Are you still here? For a minute, let yourself go. Don't just hold yourself down and feel like, you know what, it's me, 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 me. Oh, God, why me? Because you can take it. That's why you. You get it? It's because you can take it. So anything that happens to you right now is because you can take it. So be grateful because God has given you the strength to overcome. And don't let the spirit die. Don't let the spirit die. Keep the spirit aglow. Rejoice. Rejoice. That joy that you had before, when everything was good, he said, redo it. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice in the Lord always. And thank God he's not saying rejoice in your situation. He says rejoice in the Lord. Always. In the Lord. Because in him belongs everything in your life. He can fix things. So, hey, keep your joy in him. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. You think about that guy. Oh, that lovely man. You remember him very soon. This guy, uh, things were going on in his life and he hated it. Um, and they had stolen, or rather, not stolen, forcefully taken the Ark of the Covenant under his command. And yet he was a king. So they took the whole presence of God. You know, because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. But they didn't know that the presence of God was not in the ark. You see, whatever God touches, his presence follows it. All right? So he can touch your life and you're full to the brim. So that ark felt like the presence of God. So every time they took the ark into the camp of the enemies, or rather into the war front, what happens? Things change. And God's people can fight and defeat the enemies. Why? Because the ark has come into this camp. But on this occasion, the ark came into the camp. And there was a big roar in the camp of the Israelites. And the Philistines, their heart failed them. That they had to do a pep talk. Their commander went to the army and said, Guys, the God of the Israelites has come into their camp. We're, and we are doomed. So, but I will encourage you, fight like men. If only for once. And you know what? They went against the children of Israel and they defeated them. And the Philistines took the, the ark of God and took it away. Of course, forcefully. They took it away. And went to place the ark of God in the temple of Dagon. There on God. That's a story for another day. Because, oh, go and study that. That's a whole different story. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so they took the ark. And someone was disappointed. So it was time to go get the ark. The Philistines, because of what was going on, because the ark was there, first and foremost, oh, let, let's get there, right? First and foremost, in the temple of Dagon, they left the ark in there, and the morning when they came back in to the temple, they saw Dagon, the statue, had fallen before the ark. 
And I went, oh, that's coincidentally. Let's cement it up. Let's do it again. So they picked up Dagon and put it back on his feet, you know, and possibly propped it up. Don't disgrace us now. You know, you're supposed to be a god too. All right? And they went away. The following day, they came back. Dagon was back on his face before the ark. I thought, well, it's, well, it's okay. Let's just leave it that way. Then later on, sickness from one to another. People started getting sick. The Philistines started getting sick. And if I remember the story correctly, some of them started dying. And they thought, you know what? We know where the problem is. It's the ark. It doesn't belong to us. Let's take it back. So how do we take it back? Let's ask the Israelites what they are gods like. So we can send the sacrifice to, with the ark back. So they asked them and they told them, okay, this is what you're going to do. So they sent it and the ark and, the, and the, um, the donkeys brought the ark into the city. But it was time for David to go get the ark to the city of David. And thought, well, we got our ark back. Presence of God, let's go get it. But you can't really steal the presence of God. Right? You can't. And I, I believe God has a sense of humor where he allows his property to be taken so that he can show himself God. Can show himself God. And to be honest, the children of Israel at this time, because that was the reason why the ark could be taken, the children of Israel had broken a whole lot of things. In other words, they were not walking according to God's statue. That when they brought in the ark, they thought the ark was magic. So it can fix everything. No. It do, the ark does not fix your character. It does not fix your... your, um, your What's the word? can't remember. Your faint walk with God. It does not fix your falsehood. It does not fix your, your, your philosophical work with God that has to make sense. It does not fix all that. The ark only aligns with your spirit if your spirit is carrying God. So they were able to take it. But this time, let's fast forward to David. So David thought, let's go get the ark. So how do we used to do it? So they thought, this time, let's do it in a, in a different way. Let's do it in a way that, um, you know, the posh way, the new way. Let's do it. So they got a new cart. They got a cart and a donkey. And they thought, this time, we're going to add some technology to it. So they got the ark and put it on the new cart. And they were singing and Moving on, the priests were at the front. They were moving on, bringing the cart back to the city of David. And halfway through, you know what happened? The donkey, they call it ass in King James Version, tripped. And as the donkey tripped, the ark was almost falling. And uh, a lovely guy with a good heart, who thought, God is about to fall. <laughs> Went and quickly held the ark to protect it from sliding over. The Bible said, right there, God struck him and he died. His name was Uzzah. 
And David went, what? <laughs> what? No. We're not taking this ark back home. And they left the ark there. And that's the name of that place where they left the ark was called Perez Uzzah. In other words, God wrath against Uzzah in this place. And they left that ark in the house of a man. I'm trying to remember his name. So they left the ark there. And David went back home. And thought, I'm not touching the ark. The ark that kills people. You're trying to be nice to it and it kills you. And touching it. How many of us have ever felt like that? I'm, I've been serving God. And it feels like the more I serve God, the worse things happen to me. And doing it. Have you ever felt that way? Hallelujah. First Chronicles 13 verse 7. How many of us have never heard this story before? Okay, so most of us have heard it. Can I ask you to complete it if you've really heard it? Can you complete it? So what was the name of the man in whose house the ark was left? Because you quickly saw it. God forgive you. All right. Okay. So, verse 7. They moved the ark of God from Abinadab's house on a new cart. Notice the word. On what? A new, new cart. New cart. Nice. Let's buy a new car for God. You know, when God sees the car, he'll come down. No, there's a, there's a trendy way, a trendy way that people, you know, you don't care anymore. A trendy way that people worship God these days. Let's do it in a trendy way. Old school, terrible. Do it in a trendy way. You pray, you pray stylishly. You know, it has to be posh. Memorize the best language, the best grammar. Let's pray this way. God will never hear it because it's not coming from the heart. It's a new cart. So how do they do it in the other places? Let's check how it's done on YouTube. It's okay. But if you're not careful, it becomes a new cart. Because that's not how God wants it to be done. He said, a time is coming and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The ones who are doing it in, on YouTube might be doing it in spirit. But in, how, how did you take it? Did you take it by the spirit? Or you took it out of, well, it's a style. That could work. Let's try that. You know, we could put all the colored lights up. And get the smoke billowing out of those little black boxes. You know, I've told you before that regardless of how much we make this place smoke, it does not mean the presence of God is here. It doesn't. It will be empty when the presence of God is not here. Actually, in the Bible, when the smoke used to come out, it was not from those black boxes. It wasn't. And no matter how much effect we put in our services... If the spirit of God is not in it, it's empty. Are you still here? It's true. And I don't have anything against the colored lights and the smoke and 
beautiful musical instruments and everything. I don't have anything against it. Of course, of course I don't. That's why we have them, right? But don't let it be all about that. Don't let it be all about the show. Don't let it be all about the show. Let it come from the spirit. If it doesn't come from the spirit, it will, the, the fire will go out. It will go out. You can't, you can't hold it on. You can't keep it aglow. You can't keep it aglow. You'll be dry. It will be a force. Every time you come to church, you are asking yourself, why should I be there? Okay, let's just go there because of them. That, that becomes the reasoning, the rationale that makes you come to church. And I don't blame those people who aren't here on Fridays because they don't see the reason why they'll be there. And at times I'm not judging and I'm not saying that they are dry, but there's a possibility that it's out of dryness that they respond. Because if there's nothing you are gaining, you don't see the reason for going there. If you say, I love God, you will always be there. If you say you love someone, you always want to be seen around them. True? It's true. So on a new card, so regardless of how you show up, and there's nothing that is motivating you from the inside, it's done. So they put on a new cat with Uzzah and on higher guiding it. They even put two guys on the both side. Just guide it. Because they expected that it would fall. That's God's presence you're talking about. God's presence. God's presence. So they moved the ark. Seven. They moved the ark of God from Abinadab's house on a new cat with Uzzah and Ahio guiding it. Um... David and all Israelites were celebrating with all their might. Interesting, with all their might. In other words, they were giving it the best. But their might is not from a spiritual point. Their might was a show. Because where it started, it started from the physicality, not from the spirit. He said, but why are you saying that? At least that was what they could offer. No, God specifically prescribed how the ark should be carried. You'll see it in a few minutes. Specifically, when the ark was first created, he specifically gave them instructions on how the ark should be carried. And on this occasion, instead of carrying it that way, they put it on a new cart. Are you still here? The Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Here, there was no love with the might. And if there's no might, then there's possibly no soul. And if there's no soul, the heart is empty. Okay. So they were celebrating with all their might before God with songs and with harps, lyres, timbrels, cymbals, and trumpets. When they came to the threshing floor of Kedon, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady, to steady. Are you still here? To steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. The oxen stumbled. So the Lord's anger, my goodness, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah and he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. You see, what we do is spiritual. Don't ever try to think, well, let's just do it anyhow. Don't, don't, please don't, don't. Because you'll be doing it against yourself. 
especially now that you know. Be doing it against yourself. Struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark, so he died there before God. That sounds like another Dagon. Right? 11. Then David was angry. How nice. David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. So David was angry. And think about what David would be saying. What would he say? He was angry. Listen, he wasn't angry with himself. He was angry at God. How many of us do that? Right? God, seriously, I have served you since I was a baby. I've been going to church. I do all the, you know, all the signs and, and artwork and videos. You know, I'm the first one who comes to church. I sweep. I've been doing that for seven years, God. And look at how you've repaid me. It's easy for us to say, right? I could go, God, you give me this vision, right? And I did everything possible. And everyone came together to serve you. And now things are happening in my life and it feels like you're in there. Look at what you've done to me. And it's easy to blame God. And do you know why it's easy? Because you have not understood who God is. And that's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, go get rid of all, of, of all you've got and come follow me. And it says, if you follow me, it's great. But if you ever look back and with your hands on the plow, I say, you're not fit. Oh, it's a different message tonight, isn't it? Every time you're the one finding yourself at the back foot, you're always running late to church. No, you don't know God yet. No, you don't. You don't. Because you cannot show up late at your workplace. Why would you show up late with your own appointment with God? You don't know him yet. He loves you, but don't take his love for granted, honestly. No, don't. Don't. He loves you. But you see, when you continue to see God from the place of love, oh God, take me, I'm a baby, you never grow. Right? It's true. He loves me so much. You know, you go to him and kiss him. At some point, your dad is going to say, enough, grow up. Right? Right. My kids come these days and they come, they give me a hug and they sit on my lap. I've got only three, but there's one that is no longer required to sit on my lap. He's too tall for that. He sits, I'll be asking him, so what's it? Uh, uh, every now and again, we can still do that. But tell me when he's 16 and he still comes in to sit on my lap. I'll be going, mm-mm, inappropriate. We can't keep doing this. You need to grow up, man. It's true. It's true. So at times you've been in church for a while and you still want to be babied by God? Seriously? And that is not to say he doesn't love you. You see, my kids, I love them to bits, right? I, I love them. Regardless of where they are, I'll fly there to get them. But there are some things that they cannot keep doing that is not, it's accept, no, it's not acceptable anymore. Because I, it's my expectation. It's not the, are you still here? Growth is a parental expectation. 
Because every parent wants their child to grow up. Of course, we love them while they are cute and young and small. But think about it. A child, 17-year-old, is still small as oasis and cute. You take him to the hospital. He's still thinking and acting like a two-year-old. You know something is wrong. So it's a parental expectation for their kids while they are lovely and cute and young and smart, you know, all of those things. But for them to grow up, experience a few things, get to know you, get to understand their new life. It's an expectation. And God expects that of you. And that's why in the book of Hebrews, he said, come on, stop. He said, when you ought to be teachers, you still want people to teach you the elementary principles of the doctrine. So you ought to be teachers now. You ought to be teachers now. So you are still waiting to be fed milk and not meat? Ah. And that is why we need to continue to grow in God. Seek out, how do I grow? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul hungers after you. It's a, it's, it hungers after you. It hungers. David got angry at God. So God, so what's this about? What's this about? You just killed that guy. He's innocent. What did he do to you? All right, we can blame. And what did God say? Nothing. <clears throat> Twelve. David was afraid. <laughs> of course. He was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? He did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house. The ark remained there. That was not where it's supposed to be. But wherever the ark is and is honored and looked after, what happens? It was there for three months and the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. The guy all of a sudden became rich. And David looked back and go, how about that guy, Obed? He said, well, he's just bought two, two houses. And he just paid cash for the houses. He didn't, he didn't even go to the bank for loans. He said, What? Is, is, he, is he doing drugs? No. For some reason, his, his land, he's a farmer, his land just multiplied. So that, that, that must be strange, but you see, that, that must be God. I'll take you very quickly to chapter 15, verse 1. So, chapter 14. Actually, chapter 13 ended with that story, right? And then a whole lot of things happened in, verse four, in chapter 14. But in chapter 15, you started to see that David went, you know what, let's go get the ark back. That guy is getting too rich for us. Let's go get the ark back. Uh, after David had constructed a building for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. And then David said, no one but Levites may carry. Do you get it now? No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. Say it to me. No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. No one but them. That was how it's always been. But at this moment in time, he changed it. Let's put it in the cart. But now when he realized, he went, no one but the Levites. Because you can't handle God's word. You can't handle God's presence lightly. You come into God's presence. You know, I, I'm talking about when we all come together. You don't just act the way you want. 
you know, because there's some reverence. There's a, a holy reverence. You go, you know what? God is here. And don't forget, you carry God. God is in you. But you see, when we all come together corporately, it's a different atmosphere. It's a different atmosphere. And that is when healing happens. That's when deliverance, that's when salvation occurs. But when you are on your own, you can set your fire. But think about it, when we all bring all our fires together, it will be ablaze. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them. Did you see he started remembering what God said? Because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. Not for a while. Not until the new technology comes out. He said, forever. Forever. So David assembled all Israel in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. He called together descendants of Aaron and the Levites from the descendants of Kohath and so on and so forth, uh, about 120 relatives, and up until verse 11. Then David summoned Zadok and Abida, Ab Abiathar the priest, and Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab the Levites. He said to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourself. In other words, don't take it lightly. Today you are fasting. Today you are not going to do your own thing. Today you are going to remove yourself from all the negative things that you used to do. And I'm talking to our team one. Today you are not going to act on your own. Today you are going to consecrate yourself because you're special. And I'm also talking to everyone here because you're special. This is a transformation edge. We are the Levitical priesthood in this city. We are. It's true. We are. We are. And until, if we don't stand for what God loves, who else can stand for it? Who else? So consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I've prepared for it. Oh, it was because you, the Levites, did not. <laughs> now he started to play the blame game, right? He's playing the blame game now. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? But the truth is that's true. Whilst he's blaming them, but it's true. Because when, the, when, the, when uh, David agreed for them to put it on the new cart, the Levites should have gone, no, oh king, that's not how God wants it to be. But they did not. They thought, ah. New card. Oh, that looks nice. Let's do it that way. That looks nice. We said, today we're not just going to do any praise and worship. We're just going to, you know, have a different type of service. So what type of service are we having today? Um, you know, we'll just get our phones out and just text each other some scriptures. Is that okay? Let's just text each other some scriptures and text each other some prayers. Is that okay? So we're all gathered at church and we get our phones out and start texting each other scriptures and and after the end, we'll say amen on the app and go, done. Oh, wow. How was service today? I loved it. It was a new type of service. You know what just happened there? That's a new card. That's a new card. That's a new card. But he's saying, you guys, this is how you are supposed to do it. You lift up your hands before God. You sing the song of victory. You raise your voice to him and worship him because he alone is God. This is how you're meant to do it. So because you have been anointed to do that. 
He said, it was because you, the Levites, did not. How dare he blame them? But he did anyway. He's the king. He can do whatever he wants. Right? You did not bring, up the, bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. So we did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So we did it in the unprescribed way. So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. Can we not let God do something interesting in our house before we recognize that he's God? Do you know he's God? He can do anything. He can do anything. He loves you, though. He'll continue to look after you. But at times, he does a few things to get your attention. Oh, at times, I hit the door very well so that my kids get to understand that I'm, I'm serious. Wake up. Wake up in the morning. They don't want to go. We're going to school. They don't want to wake up. Guys, wake up. They don't want to wake up. Wake up. They don't want to wake up. I go to their room. I hit the door. Boom. Wake up. I go, oh, dad. Yeah, you've been listening. You heard me the first time. I love my kids. But at times, I've got to get their attention. To get them to understand, guys, this is serious. It's still love time. But this is serious love. I need you to get to, to school, get downstairs, have your breakfast, put your clothes on, jump in the car. We are getting to school before 8.30. And at times our fathers and our God, our father, gets your attention the way he wants to get it. He can get it anyhow. He can get it anyhow. Paul said, whether I die or leave. He said, it really doesn't bother me because if I die, I'm going home to meet with the Lord. He said, but if I stay, it's for your benefit. He said, but because it's your benefit, I'd rather stay. So death is not a problem. Because you die, you go to God, you know, you're born again, thank God. So you go to God. But if you're alive, there's so much more that you can do. Don't let God get your attention through some other things. He can do whatever he wants. He loves you anyway. And Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulder. Where? On their shoulders. With the poles on their shoulder. But instead of them bearing it, you see, that scripture said, and they danced with their might. Now, this scripture is saying, now... They are putting the spores on their shoulder. Can you see that the first one, they did not really give all that they had. That wasn't their might. It was a phony might. It was a phony might. But now, this is the way it ought to be done. They put the ark on their shoulder. How heavy it was, I don't know. But they put it on their shoulders. As Moses, as Moses had commanded them. In accordance with the word of the Lord. You see, God's word will not change. And it's not changed because of you. He said, David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. So the Levites appointed him and son of Joel from his relatives, Asaph of Berechiah, and from their relatives, the Merarites, Ethan, son of Cushiah. And with them, their relatives next in rank, Zechariah, and so on and so forth. Keep going. 19. The musicians, Herman, Asap, keep going. Keep going. You see, all of these guys, they have been mentioned because of the things that they are now doing. The first time, were they mentioned? No. Well, just bundled together. So what do you do? No, not really. Do you volunteer? What do you do at church? No, nah, I just go to church. They all back then just went to church. But now, they started volunteering. 
One plays the trumpet. The other one plays the cymbal. The other one is carrying the, the poles on their shoulder. You see, they found a place. They found what they knew how to do best. Don't just sit there and go where the church runs itself. It's a machine. It just runs. It doesn't. It's people that do what happens at church. I say, but okay, then I want to volunteer. Don't just wait. Tell them, what do you want to do? It's true. What do you want to do? Start doing it. Start doing it. Say, but, but no one gets back to me. Although I've said I want to do this, but no one gets back to me. Don't wait for anyone to get back to you. Start doing it. When you start doing it and you are doing it wrong, you get someone's attention and go, oh, sorry, that's not how we do it. Uh, can we do it this way? So if no one is getting back to you, do it. Start doing it yourself. You say, but I want to be in pastoral care. You want to be in pastoral care, then start calling people. So where do I get the numbers from? Ask people. Lillian, um, that other brother that was sitting there over there, uh, can you get me? And Lillian will go, oh, my goodness, this is a confidential issue. Let's go talk to Pastor. Uh, Pastor, you know what? Ethan has asked for uh, someone else's number. What do we do? And I'll go, why is Ethan asking for someone else's number? I said, because Ethan wants to be in pastoral care and call people and go visit them. Okay, great. Can we call Ethan? And you've just gotten our attention. Actually, by doing that, you've just told us we're not doing our job well. And thank you for that. At least you got someone as, as someone's attention. Why? Because you're giving your time, your will, your power into it, your might. Amen. Thank you. Verse 25. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of units of a thousand went up to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obedidom with rejoicing. Now this is rejoicing. Okay, because God has helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. Okay, that was not enough. Now David was clothed in a robe of fineness where all the Levites who were carrying the Ark and as were the musicians and Keniah who was in charge of the singing of the choirs. David also wore a linen ephod. So all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouts with the sound of rams, horns and trumpets and of cymbals and the playing of lions, harps as the Lord as the Ark of Covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, my car, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. Now, this is in First Chronicles or Second Chronicles, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, whatever. But there was another. There's another scripture. I, I think that was in First or Second Kings that really described it even much more. That every step that they made, David did not only lean on the seven rams and bulls. Every step that they made, he made sacrifice. And then, with that, he danced before the Lord that the linen ephod went off. And that was dancing with might. Not the first one, the posh one that he was doing. That was dancing with might, not caring who was looking. And when he got home, Michael gave him a lesson and said, What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You were dancing today like a crazy person. You know, that's more of the reason at times we don't dance before the Lord. Because we don't want to look like a crazy person. True? Say, so, well, that's not in my character. I don't want to dance. That's not in my character. I can't shout amen loudly. People will look at me. They will say, what's wrong with you? When did it become about you? I thought it was your worship to God. When did it become about you? At times, we just need to let it go. Because in the presence of God. Hear what he said. He said, in the pre Look at it. He said, and when she, Michael, daughter of Saul, of course, daughter of Saul, wouldn't like David anyway. said, daughter of Saul saw him. When she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of God and said inside her. But at the end of the day, he called David. He said, David, what's wrong with you? Why would you dance like that where every other young girls are? What's wrong with you? Something wrong with you? 
And David said, ha. He said, the God who placed me to be a king instead of your father. He said, I will dance even much more. I will look much more abased in the eyes of the maidens than to keep myself from dancing like that before God. Say, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it over and over again. But the Bible says, after that incident, Michael could not give birth to a heir who will inherit David's throne. Actually, the Bible says the Lord shot Michael's womb. She couldn't give birth. So can I say to you, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't let the fire go out. And I'll ask you, blow it into flame. Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. Don't feel like, well, this is important, this is not important. No, in God's house, everything is important. Walk in, knowing fully well, now right here, I know I carry God, but I'm standing in the presence of the mighty one. And love him. Adore him. Worship him. Because he's worthy of it. And he wants you to grow up to understand that he's the lamb, but he's also the lion. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I will stand on our feet. Praise God. Praise God. Can I ask you to just worship him just for a minute? And let it be from your heart this time. Just worship him. Say, God. 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 I rejoice in you. I rejoice in you. I rejoice in you. I would not allow. Mm, I would not allow anything to take away my joy. I would not allow anything to steal your spirit to replace you in my heart. I love you, God, forever. I love you forever. And I want to show it. I want to show it every time I stand before you. I want to show how much I love you. I don't want the death of Uzzah to make me remember how you want it done. Let me take the step the very first time according to your will, according to your way. Don't let the, the presentation, don't let the idea of, of smartness or excellence or, or, or the poshness take away the spirit. No, let it be, God, that every time you're here, that every other thing that we've added is something that adds to what we already brought in the name of Jesus so that you may be lifted up. You may be lifted up. You may be lifted up. We would not depend on the light. We would not depend on the smoke. We would not depend on the music. We would not depend on anything to worship you from our spirit. From our spirit, we want to give you praise even much more, God. We will not depend on the light. We will not depend on anything. We will not depend on who is singing. Is their voice is good? Is it sounding great? We will not depend on that, God. But we will depend on your spirit and keep our hearts aglow for you. We will not depend on 
on the numbers. We will not depend on how many seats are filled. But we depend on your spirit that keeps us moving and going. I thank you God. Because through this, you can change things on our behalf. We know, God, you want us to grow up. You want us to grow up. You want us to grow up while you are still God who loves us. But we still do know that you want us to stand firm on our two feet and ensure that we take responsibility for the things that you've positioned in our hearts. I praise you, God, that we ensure that this joy never die. In the name of Jesus, we'll keep it aglow. We keep it aglow. We keep it aglow. In the name of Jesus, that every situation that seems to snuff out that joy, we stand against it. And let God be God in our lives. Be God. Be God. Be God. We honor and adore you, God. Like never before, we worship you tonight. And we say, be lifted up in our hearts, O oh God. Be lifted up. Be lifted up in this place. Because we know where you are lifted, that's where healing is present. You know, before Jesus called out Lazarus, he said, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Lord, I know, Father, I know that you've always had me. You know, that I, and, and, and tonight, I know, we know that you've always had us. We know that you've always had us. And that is why God any spirit that represents sickness, any spirit that represents death, has no place in this house. In the name of Jesus, any spirit that represents loss has no place in this house. This is the transformation edge. Transforming for the better. In the name of Jesus, we praise you God because your presence is an open door. And we'll go through this door to experience all the lovely things that you've said for us. We honor you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Trans Edge. A change is inevitable.